Hello and welcome to Women's Rugby Coaching Magazine's World Cup special podcast series. Throughout the World Cup, we're going to be bringing you guests talking about the World Cup, the matches that they've seen. We're going to be chatting to coaches. We're going to be chatting to players at a grassroots level to see how inspired they're feeling about all the World Cup events. It's all going to be right here on Women's Rugby Coaching Magazine's special World Cup podcast series. This week on the pod, it's semi-final time. We're going to be catching up with legendary coach Lisa Burgess and me and Eamon chat about the semi-finals, who we think will go forward into the finals and that scheduling clash between the All Blacks and the Black Ferns. So let's get into it. Hello, uh, welcome to the pod. Would you like to introduce yourself and just sort of give a, a brief insight into who you are? Yeah, sure. Hey, Jess, how you doing? Nice to see you. Um, well, yeah, I'm I'm Lisa Burgess, um, otherwise known as Bird in the rugby circles. Um, been around for a while now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so currently my current coaching role is um, I work with the heading up the kind of Welsh Union pathway for under 20s and under 18s. So um, we just actually just on the back of a weekend now we've had with the under 20s, which is incredibly exciting to see the talent that's coming through. Um, and we've got an under 18s one coming up in November and their regional block starts soon. So it's pretty full on at the moment, my job with the union. Um, prior to that, I was um, coaching Worcester Warriors, forwards coach in the Allianz, working with Joe Yap and Sean Moore, which was just amazing um, to be there and glad to see that Worcester now are I kind of settled back down and you know because that was that was really tough to see what was going on for those guys who I care about dearly as well as the club so really good to see their back up and fingers crossed things work out for everyone there because it's been a hell of a roller coaster they've been on um and then prior to that I was at Gloucester Harbury um I had very many happy memories there heading up the senior academy with the Bucks and helping out with the um Gloucester Harbury Allianz in the forwards and prior to that I was a teacher <laughs> for 26 years, which I loved my job as a teacher as well. So, yeah, combining that with coaching and playing as, um, yeah, so so this is me at the moment. So I'm, I'm loving my job now, my new role with WRU. And um, actually, I work for World Rugby as well. I'm on the World Rugby Council and High Performance Women's um, Committee and going out there. Very privileged and lucky to be going out this Wednesday to New Zealand um, for a series of meetings. And I get to... I get to watch the semis in the final, um, which is an incredibly, like I say, privileged position to be in. So I'm very much looking forward to that and catching up with some old friends as well out there who I haven't seen for a long time. I'm totally not jealous at all that you get to watch it at semi-normal time and I'm getting up about 3.30 in the morning to watch the England game. I, my my sleep is already gone. The pattern is non-existent at the moment. It's, it's blown. Um, yeah. I wondered if you could give us... Um, what are your thoughts on the on the current World Cup? Because there's been a load of, of positive stats around that the score lines have been narrower. Um, I think I saw a stat a couple of days ago that the ball in play time was was greater than the men's game, which is a great stat to have because it means our game's more entertaining and, and lively. What have been your thoughts on the competition so far? So that's an interesting stat, the ball in playtime, because I think generally anyway, the women's ball in playtime is is higher, tends to be. And I know that that was a stat that um, 
that came out when we when we took the under 18s up to Scotland for the under 18 uh, Six Nations Festival in April. And certainly the ball in playtime was was long, you know, and, and you're right, it lends itself to a really incredibly exciting game. And, and what we've seen in this World Cup is, you know, some of the teams, their offloading skills, their ability to keep that ball alive in contact has just been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you know, I had great delight in watching Fiji. I thought they were just, I watched Fiji in the sevens. I thought they were incredible. And to see where they've come as a nation now is just is just really heartwarming and you know seeing their offloads has just been brilliant and a different type of game you know Fiji Australia they bring that different type of game New Zealand just you know we knew they were we knew they weren't gonna be the team they were when they came over and played against England um and were defeated by England and France they they have really um you know excelled in that and they've got such an exciting combination of players now um you know and seeing them as well offloading that their offloading game is just phenomenal and you know their skill sets you know all the players from 1 to 15 as well or 1 to 23 in the squads you know they just bring that go forward and that ability to break through that contact and their physical dominance as well in the collisions and the breakdown is has really kind of set a different standard um which which we've seen and the I think the four teams that have made it through to the final are deserved semi-finalists and um, incredibly exciting. I think I think everybody's hesitant to say anybody's got a right through to that final because at the moment it's, you know, it's a hard call. And um, I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see now what happens because it's going to be a great, great two semi-finals, I think, and moving forward to the final in the bronze place as well. Yeah. And... And just going back to your your position with with WRU, what do you think is the most exciting thing? Obviously, because you're there working in the pathway, so you can see the future of of Welsh women's rugby union coming through. What what excites you the most about what you're seeing? Whoa, <laughs> that's a big question. There's so many things that excite me at the moment. You know, I mean, again, it's you know working with these you know under twenties and under eighteens. There's a lot of talent now in Wales, and what we're seeing is that the um, the breadth of the player pool now is growing, and there's been a lot of tremendous amount of work that's taken place in the community space to get those girls engaged through the hubs, through schools, colleges, and through the regions as well. Um, and what we're seeing now is is the kind of culmination in that. So we've got a bigger pool to select from. Um, so what excites me is to see that talent coming through, and it's how we hone in onto that talent now. So it's and there's a, there's a great group of working, you know, my boss, my immediate boss is John, John Alder, who's come from um, English Institute of Sport, along with um, Nigel Walker. And, you know, it's just what their, their foresight, their vision, um, where, where how they want to see the, the game going and, and the support now of the, the Welsh Rugby Union as well. You know, it's 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 not about papering over the, cr- the cracks. It's about actually laying down foundations that are going to impact and make a real difference to you know, women and girls rugby moving forward. So for me to be involved in that now is incredibly exciting. Um, and like I said, this weekend with the under 20s, you know, we've got a set of girls now that will be exposed um, to top level, you know, um, facilities, coaching and um, S&C, you know, medical support. They, they, they'll get all that, which they haven't had access to. And I think the exciting thing now is to see how the girls will grow and develop when they have access to this, we've seen the contracts coming in with Wales. We've seen the impact that's had in such a short time already. Um, but also now uh, from the work that, you know, John's doing with the pathway and, and Nigel's doing overall strategically, both of those. Um, and the work with the regions as well and the real desire and want from, you know, regions, colleges, universities, the people themselves in Wales to get those girls the opportunities they deserve to upskill them. Um, 
is 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 huge. So so for me personally, it's it's enabling all those girls in Wales to access those facilities and coaching, and and from that then we'll see the benefit of that in the way they play. Um, you know, the Exiles, for example, is a totally untapped area for us, um, and and that is that's hugely exciting. Um, you know, I've been contacted since being in post from people from over the world, you know, that, that are saying they're Welsh and, you know, they're interested in finding out more. So, you know, word is spreading. But but for us, you know, we've got you've got to focus in and hone in on that talent we've got and make sure we nurture and grow and set those foundations so that every girl can access that to become a top quality performer. And that's the exciting thing, because I see those changes happening and there's going to be announcements coming soon that will back up, you know, what I'm saying on this pod to show that there will be opportunities for those girls in Wales, across Wales to access those high performance centres as well. So, yeah, yeah incredibly exciting. What do you think, just on a, a broader now global perspective, what do you think the next steps women's rugby needs to take looking at it from an infrastructure perspective to kind of take it to the next level because obviously this world cup has been massive the the viewership has increased the games have been narrower what what do we need to do to take those next steps to make sure the next world cup is even tighter than this one I think it's embracing and working with the unions to get the support that um, the unions need to do back in their you know back in their own countries to support that development of women's rugby, to, to make sure the infrastructure is on the ground. So, like I said, the women get access, women and girls get access to those high quality facilities, medical science support, high quality coaching, so that they can actually grow, thrive, develop, and, and you know, be able to perform at that top level. And, you know, it's not just about money, it's about, you know, that, but money, like it or not, it, you know, is, is there to support the facilities and the growth to enable those girls to um, develop. So I think, you know, World Rugby engaging with the unions to support the unions and the uni unions actually pledging to support women's rugby. We'll, we'll see that develop. We've seen in every, you know, in the countries that have actually embraced that, um, whether it be sevens or fifteens, when they embrace, you know, the women's game and support it as they should be supported, look at what happens. You know, Australia Rugby League, you know, they've just been flown over business class. They're getting the same salary as the men, you know, to compete in the Rugby League World Cup. I mean, that's just phenomenal. And, look, and then we talk about uh, Rugby Union, you know, the Australian sevens team, the support they've got and look look how they performed on the world circuit because the investment's there. Cricket did the same when they invested in the women's um, World Cup squad. Look what happened to them. Surprise, surprise, they went on and won a World Cup. Well, you know, it happens. And I think what we're seeing now is um, the drive and strive from countries. You know, England has set the standard. England has shown what is possible um, with the support from their union. Um, and other countries now are having to catch up with that. Otherwise, you know, the gap will grow. So, um I think, yeah, the, the, you know, World Rugby and the unions have to work together to support the unions and make sure those those things are in place, the infrastructure is in place for those girls and women. And then just diving on that a little bit further in, obviously, with the growth of women's rugby and the support in the infrastructure, naturally, there comes a, a want and need to develop more female coaches. What do you think um, unions can do, should do to, to develop uh, female coaches what's kind of birds template for developing female coaches <laughs> oh that's a million dollar question um so I think it's about opportunity and I think it's about allowing allowing women um, and girls to have the opportunity um to coach and to get the support as well so you know for example world rugby the high performance coaching 
uh, course that's been offered to the, the coaches across across the world has been phenomenal and, and those networks can be established. We're seeing more and more opportunities now, you know, with the Allianz, for example, you know, in, in, the, in the Welsh Premiership of, of women, you know, you yourself, Jess, you've just qualified on a level three. Congratulations for that. That's, that's, okay. that's, that's a brilliant achievement, you know, and, and, and by seeing role models out there as well so seeing you know so it's not it's not you know oh wow it's a female coach you know it's it's like oh there's, there's my coach you know and uh, and and that that's how we need to portray it and more and more now you're seeing more women stepping up to that um that challenge and I think going back to your question about how what can what can people do is or what can unions do it's about allowing that opportunities um to develop the high performance coach to develop the female coach and encourage actively encourage people to um females to go out there and, and apply for these courses if that's what they want to do but also ensure there's a support network network as well around developing those those um female athletes I mean you know, if you want to be a coach and if you really want, got that drive, you'll go out there, you'll do it because you you want to achieve and you, you'll go and visit other coaches, you'll learn from other coaches, you'll get the experiences that you need. You know, exactly in any other form of job. If you want to be a teacher, you go and observe, you go and practice your skill, your craft. It's the same with a coaching craft. It doesn't just happen. You have to go out there, get experience, watch coaches, trial and error yourself, learn, practice, and then and then get the support from the unions. Um you know, people say about female-only coaching courses. Uh, I've been part of those. I've been part of, you know, mixed courses as well. I see benefit in both. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, it's it's about getting that that experience, developing your own craft, watching the best coaches, asking questions, and 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 you know, making sure you've got a support network so you can challenge and chat and question other coaches and learn from them as well. So yeah, I think that um, there's no easy answer to this. <laughs> I'm kind of waffling on there, but I think I think there needs to be opportunities to um, for females to apply and develop. We're seeing it in football, yeah. you know. We're seeing it in football, um, you know, where 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 females are getting you know that opportunity to coach at high level and 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 get those opportunities, you know. And do women want to coach in the men's world? Maybe they do. Is that the right thing for them? Maybe it isn't. So, you know, it's, it's just an interesting thing to see how that develops as well and, and to watch that space for the first female potentially coaching in the premiership, if that's what they want to do. Um, I've never wanted to do that. I, I've enjoyed working with the women and girls, but, you know, some coaches might want to, and it's about that opportunity to enable them to do that. So, yeah, it's just about someone giving giving someone the chance. And then I think once that happens, the higher up you get in coaching, you're not looked at as a male or female you're looked at as a coach and I think we've got to get over that and um stop you know labeling oh I'm a female rugby coach I'm a male rugby it's you're a coach and if you're good enough you're good enough so yeah there we go that was a bit of a waffly answer I I just have um I know it was a tough question so it's uh yeah that no that answer was great I just have one more question I apologize because most people have struggled with this question if you yeah. could sum up the the current rugby world cup within one or two words what what are you what word are you using to summarize it <laughs> inspirational awesome yeah inspirational and a real showpiece yeah awesome now what a perfect way to end thank you so much you are listening to a women's rugby coaching.com podcast if you want to find out more about the only magazine written for women coaches and anyone coaching women's rugby, then go over to womensrugbycoaching.com.
now back to the podcast. Hello, Eamon. So uh, welcome back to, well, actually, what is, I, I'm looking out my window and it's raining and windy and bitterly cold Yorkshire. You're obviously not in Yorkshire, but welcome back to the UK. You've just been in France. So I, I know nothing. Yes. So please tell me all about it. Right. So quickly, first couple of parish notices. One, many congratulations on your level three or oh, advanced coaching award that is now. Many congratulations. Yeah. Welcome you. to the club of secret handshakes and smart t-shirts. Well done. Um, and, and, uh, the second thing, do you remember what we joked in the first episode that this was going to be the most influential, powerful podcast ever, ever, ever created by rugby people? And we said, we're always joking about it. Yeah. You'll never guess who won RFU Unsung Hero of the Year award. Jody, episode one. <laughs> So if you're coming on the podcast and you want to make a name for yourself, this is the show to be on. <laughs> oh, I'm so thrilled. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Oh, congrats, Jody. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, well Thanks, done. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, so um uh last week's show, very good. I really enjoyed it. Um Thank you. nice listen, nice to listen to your bestie. Yes. Um, bit disturbing that he's your bestie and not me who's been I'm, on three I'm, podcasts. I'm, so I'm, sorry. On one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, no. It was uh, France, right? So France was um, everything you could possibly imagine. Um, it was exciting, exhilarating, terrifying, nervous. Um, extraordinary rugby clubs that we that I went to. Uh, I went to one on a Friday night called Theorash Rugby Club, which was a two-hour two-hour session with a, a gentleman from South Africa called Max, and the two of us did a defence session. Uh, um, uh, yeah, defence session. And um, then we had two days of um, of travelling, uh, travelling across to another another place. But um, we did get a chance to watch the England-Fiji uh, game over yeah. breakfast with three French people. And, uh, yeah, so they were <laughs> they were Fiji's most rampant supporters. They <laughs> were. <laughs> And you were, were, so Max was South African and I'm Welsh. And so, yeah, but no, um, so we spent the week. So the, the main camp was in a place called Compiègne, which is um, a place that thousands of people should know. Um, Compiègne is about 10 kilometers away from where the First World War armistice was signed. And it's uh, like a little hidden in the middle of the forest. Um, they signed it there to keep it away from press, politicians, and basically do it properly, so hidden away from everybody. Yeah, yeah. So we went to the to the museum, um, okay. quite an extraordinary museum. I shared the camp with um, just national team coaches from different countries, and uh, and Tina Stelport, who works for the, who does some of the co commentary on um, the URC on Premier Sports, and just being in those being in that rarefied company, um, in, imposter syndrome doesn't cover it. Um, you are sitting there with some of the brightest and the best coaches. Um, with masses of experience, bags and bags of experience, and just listening to them talk and just, it's the best learning environment I think I've ever been in. Um, just how they do things, why they do it that way. Do they agree with this? Do they agree with that? Also, getting an insight into French rugby, which was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Just Wednesday afternoons, the schools come to their local sports clubs and they do training every Wednesday for the city. Every for the, Wednesday. For the Every second every secondary school, there's no PE. They take them by bus from the school to the local rugby club, football club, tennis club. It's extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Um, 
the camp the camp had to be a back we, we couldn't have a Wednesday camp because the the some of our French colleagues were working in these camps with these kids. Yeah. And these are just these are not just these are not like elite kids. This is every kid. This is yeah, just every yeah. kid. So um, community schools, community kids every Wednesday. Yeah, the, the local kids in local schools will come to the, they've got assigned a school of, in this case, School of Rugby. Mm. Um, and they would go and they do training on a Wednesday. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the essence of it. They, the the local coaches, they're because of the money they make from the government, they're, they're allowed to um, uh, fund the coaches to take part in that. Also, uh, the rugby club I was at, which was Rugby Club Compiègne, Compiègne is eighty percent of its funding comes from the town council. So all, along this same street, there is a, 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 a just a top class football stadium, top class tennis courts, gymnasium, all in this one road. And the town is like forty thousand people, and it has like top of the range stuff all over the place and and they, and they fund it and they really fund it and it's and it's not it's just the the way they do things it's the way that it's the way so when they say rugby's at the center of the community in france they're not kidding no it is the absolute opposite sport is the epicenter of everything that happens in french uh <clears throat> excuse me french sport absolutely yeah. incredible yeah it puts our um, puts our current model to shame that's that's for sure we just have a different one. We, we, yeah. we our, our league is based around clubs, um, whereas the French model is based on, well, we don't have enough. I mean, again, I'm oversimplifying this, but we don't. They don't have to qualify PE teachers to call to do multiple sports. Okay. They can have three or four specialists, and they'll. Yeah. And sometimes the teachers will go to a, a local club or a local venue, and they'll do it together. And then the better players are picked up there. Um, I had a long conversation with uh, a guy called Shane Mokombe, who is a Zimbabwean international, who um, was doing his level three FFR course at university. So he was a full-time student, Zimbabwean international, works local, and they fund his level three course. It's funded by the, by the FFR. So I think we can't record this week's pod without talking about the the clash in scheduling that the host nation managed to do for their own team. <laughs> no, no, uh, and, and it's just, oh, you, you think we're making progress. This is great. This is an amazing World Cup and we're making steps forward. And then we take like one step back and, and uh, New Zealand rugby managed to shoot themselves in the foot by scheduling the All Blacks versus Japan at the same time as the Black Ferns were playing. And to be very clear, to be very clear, they knew the Black Ferns would have that match. They knew they would have that match when they scheduled it and organised it. And I think, I don't know what the official response is off the top of my head. I think it was something like they simply forgot or they apologised because they'd forgot, which I don't know what's worse forgetting <laughs> or doing it on purpose i'm not sure what <laughs> I, so there's a couple of things to unpack here um firstly the home nation picks the kickoff time um so japan picked the kickoff time however at no point did anyone from new zealand say can we change it please nobody said it and also if you if there's any team in the world that has a significant heft when it comes to making decisions, you think New Zealand would be it. So there's your first thing. 
The, the second thing is money. Um, New Zealand are playing Japan uh, for money reasons, which is fine. Um, I, I've Again, you can only go on reports, but apparently they charge four million a game right off the top. So if you're going to play Twickenham, they charge four million. Whereas the rules for every other nation in the world is, or was, uh, we will take care of your expenses while you're in, in, in house, while you're in country. We'll pay for your hotel, we'll pay for your thing. But um, pay appointments uh, are the responsibility of the incoming union, so, which is why Tonga, when they come in, they only get like £400 a match. But when England play, they get 17000 a match. And so that's fine. Again, the problem is, is that this is a thing that dismayed not only the, me, but when I was sitting around the table, it absolutely dismayed the French people there. You know, you're trying to promote the game. Yeah. You're trying to grow the men's game. There's also an, a known goal that nobody's talking about, that the Black Ferns game is non-free-to-air. It's, uh, from what I can tell, isn't it on a, isn't it on a pay-per-view station? The, the, the World Cup's on pay-per-view in I New Zealand, I don't know. Um, I'm desperate I apologise if that's not the case, but I, I believe I, it's on a pay-per-view, which is mental. <laughs> Just crazy. Uh, Can't believe it's something. But check that. Check that out. Um, but that. the other thing was um, uh, there is the, the, the lack of communication between the two. Well, there's no lack of communication between two parties. There's a CEO. There's a CEO on a board. That's their job. That's not the player's job. It's not the coach's job. It's not to pick the times of the kickoffs. That's that's to do with just somebody not doing their job properly at a higher level. You know, um, it's 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 not great. Games. I'm just hoping somewhere that somebody is sat in an office right now at Twickenham yeah. and is taking good note of this and is looking very carefully at all the fixtures for 2025 because I don't want a scenario where. Yeah. The Red Roses are playing in a home World Cup and for there to be yeah. some sort of other England men's yeah. fixture, um, you know, the Autumn Internationals and suddenly they're playing New Zealand or yeah. Fiji or somebody and there's, a, and there's a clash because that that's not doing your fan base any favours at all. One of the few positives, one of the few positives from the Six Nations from the, from the pandemic was the idea that the six nations for women could be held at a separate time yeah so i don't believe that that's ever going to be a problem in, in the no. northern hemisphere no because the men's one is going to run from february and the women's one i hope is going to run from april yes and it it is. two separate tournaments and they'll uh, gather together uh, which i think that, is yeah I, I agree that was one positive to come out of the pandemic yeah. where women's rugby proved it could stand on its own time frame away from the men's game and we got rid of half empty stadiums for double headers things which sometimes double headers work sometimes they don't um i yeah. think in international rugby i'm not sure double headers double headers work because yeah. it's international rugby is a I, I think for men's, my experience of being an international um, men's match is the crowd is different from ones I encounter elsewhere. Um, yes. yes, it's more of the casual, just watch for the internationals. Is is my is yeah. my experience going on what I've had when I've been sat at Twickenham? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's the great thing is because they're split now. That's great for the northern yeah. hemisphere. I think the southern hemisphere need to do the same thing. They need to have a rugby championship separate to the, to the men's for the females. Uh, for the female game, sorry. And then this it should won't be a problem this week because there's a 12-hour gap because yeah. Wales are playing New Zealand at 
quarter past three in the afternoon, yeah. which is quarter past one in the morning in New Zealand. I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think that's, that's what works out. Um, so the Black Ferns have a, compl- a clear stage. Yeah. If this had happened in the f- final of the semi-final, there'd be uproar, and quite rightly. Well, there was, there was uproar enough for this. You well, can know. you imagine if it was a final, a World Cup final? It would, it would be insane, absolutely insane. But it's a, here's the thing. It's a lesson learned. It's been pilloried in the press. That mistake, I'd like to believe, would never happen again. Um, before right. before we finish, I actually wanted to um, share with you an idea that I'm still working on for for the okay. team culture at, at Huddersfield. Um, and not to say that our culture is bad, but just like everything, just like any skill. Seemed okay last week. Seemed okay last week. <laughs> you, you always you always have to work at it. You always have to put stuff in place. Um, just like when I was playing, I was always practicing my scrummaging stuff, you know, or players are always practicing their passing in a game. Exactly the same. So last week I was like, how do I get players? Because we generally sometimes go round in a in a circle and what did so-and-so do well? Or we go round and everybody says something good about the person to their left or I'll freeze a game and go, um, for example, Ema, what what worked well for you there? Or Ema, just why did Charlie score that try that was great? Why did I get so excited about it? And and so we're generally okay. trying to improve everybody else's noticing, but right. then also praise of each other. And I was like, how do I do that in a different way? Not to replace anything I already do, but because variety is key. Otherwise, we're just copy and pasting the same training session yeah. each week and that gets boring for me add, boring add, for them and nobody's add learning. Tool into toolbox. Add, yeah. add a tool into the toolbox That's yeah it. yeah so i put on a i put on a whiteboard um because i love my whiteboards i was like secret teammate and i said at any point in a session you think somebody's done something good write their name write what they did good in the session and we all reviewed it at the end everybody had something good about themselves and i was like that's great but I didn't quite feel like it was, you know, when you have a good idea or you put something in place and you can see a, yeah. like a positive punch or you go away and go, yeah, that really works. I can see the ripple effect. Okay. I, I saw it, but it wasn't quite like a full, it was like a tiny, tiny candle. It wasn't like a full flame. So okay. this week, and I like it this week, we've put it on the, I put it on the WhatsApp chat that I have with the group before secret teammate challenge is different this week message me or um pull me to side and i'll write it down in my phone in my notes at training what somebody did well what was good what have you spotted and then we'll put it in the whatsapp chat um afterwards at training yeah okay i had players coming out to each session um telling me stuff in the water break um what was happening well what was somebody else doing so and so's did this that was really great um Chloe, who's who's relatively new, she joined us a couple of weeks ago. She won Queen of the Ring at wrestling, so people were praising her. And then it all got written into the um, the WhatsApp chat at the end of the session, or I put it in the morning after, and then the praise continues. My question to you yeah. is, I, I think that really works, but if you were going to do it in an environment you were coaching, if you were going to do Secret Teammate, which I got it because it's a little bit like Secret Santa, everybody kind of... Okay. If you were going to do secret teammate in an environment you were coaching in, how would you do it? So I'd have to look at... The reason I'm reticent to to leap into this is coaching men and women is a different different animal. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. In that, although the, the game is the same, the sport is the same, 
Um, the respect for each other is the same. Pretty much everything's the same. I remember the words of Gary Street, actually. Gary said, um, women bond off the field, then play. Men bond, men, men bond on the field, then drink. <laughs> that was just a fun one. You know, and it was it's about how how they how they make a difference. Would men take part in a secret Santa? Um, I guess it comes down to comfort. Would they be comfortable praising somebody? Well, is this an anonymous praise or is this it's a... an anonymous? It's completely anonymous. I suspect, I just, so you just yeah, see, I, you know, if you're if I'm coaching the session that you're in, the, yeah, the yeah. after you just see your name and what you at a particular moment yeah. that, that you did something well in the session. So it's it's completely yeah. anonymous. Don't get me wrong. I love the idea. That's what, my, my reticence isn't your idea. My reticence is, would it work in a grassroots rugby environment? Uh, I suppose I'd have to set the groundwork to make that happen. You've done brilliantly at Huddersfield. Yeah, go, that's, that's, the I think that's They know whiteboard. Yeah. They, know, they know things are going to come out of left field here. If, if I was to walk into my local club without setting the groundwork, it was, what is this airy-fairy nonsense? What's going on here with this nonsense? But it isn't nonsense. It's really good. It's a way of, I have done something similar where I say, you know, well, you know, go and have a chat with him. Captain, go and have a chat. He looks a bit down. Have a yeah. chat with him. Say, say, say something he's done well. Or pick out two or three players and say, look, you know, I, I, I'm going to get like a, a, a senior person at the club in the, in the team to go to a second team player or a third team player and say, you know, that, that was really good. You know, keep keep doing, keep going. Keep, keep motivating him. Keep motivating yourself. You're doing okay. I like the idea of of having an anonymous group. I mean, I, the, the, I remember, and I remember a great. There's a guy called John Widdison. I don't know if you know John. Mm. John is an RFU, but he's um he's doing a doctorate up in Edinburgh. John, and I remember him. We had a chat, a brief chat about two years ago, just before the pandemic, where we met at my rugby club, and he said he used to say things like, "Tell me," he would pick a player and he said, "Tell me something good about this guy." And he'd have them in a circle and he'd have them facing each other. And he'd say, Danny, tell me what you like about Frank. What is what does Frank do on the first team or the team that, that really impresses you? So he'd do it face to face. Yeah. And it, and that seemed to work for him. Yeah. This the you know, I I the I, the principle of the thing is is perfect. I think it's interesting that and I I'm sitting here thinking how how would I implement it? I, I would suggest I would I'd have to sort of lay the groundwork over a number of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it, it's clear to but, point. But, I, I haven't done this. This isn't my first training session with those those individuals. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, this is we're. we're do you think it's working? Do you think it's working? Do you think it's? Working? Yeah, I th- I think it's working. I think it's working, and we've done a lot of of building up trust and and making and and showing vulnerability. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within the culture, and I think that if. If anybody listening is going, well, how do we build vulnerability and and show trust in a team? It it came from me first. It comes yeah, comes, yeah, yeah. comes from me, um, trusting them, and also showing that I'm vulnerable. And that doesn't have to be great moments of oversharing, um, <laughs> spilling all your personal life to your players, because there's also boundaries of trust. You know, power What's dynamics and, and duty of care there, and and safeguarding our players. But showing vulnerability just in the sense of um, guys, girls, players, uh, folks, whatever kind of term and gender neutral stuff you're going to use. Players, this is new. This is a new game, a new activity. I'm not sure whether this is going to work. We're going to try it. I thought about it. 
uh, when I was like walking the dog or watering my plants or doing whatever, I thought about this. Yeah. We're going to try it today. And then halfway through the session or halfway through the activity or at the end, you pause it, you give, you ask for feedback. How did they find it? Where was their brain stretch on a scale of one to 10? What? And then the most important thing, what would they add to that activity so that it's not just my activity, it's co-created with them. So they bring ideas in. Actually, coach, I we really needed to work on support last week. So we could add in something that a support rule that, you know, you've got to have a person there on your shoulder when you score or whatever in that activity. Yeah. And that makes it their own. And that's how I've built um, vulnerability so, so with those players. So a couple of couple of things there was being interesting to see if... Um... Well, because it's a podcast about in the Northern Hemisphere. Business to see what Simon Middleton's answer to that would be with the current yeah. England team. Yeah. That'd be interesting. First the first thing. Um, there was a second thing, it's gone up my head. One second, bear with me. <laughs> I, I could no, see um, I could but, see in a pro environment. Sorry, I could see in a pro environment a little like um like almost like a voting box. How, especially yes. if you're doing an indoor like say you're doing like an indoor contact session or or whatever yeah. um or at the end of your session in toilet break whatever you write down a little bit of paper you know shauna brown great at scrums and it goes in the little yeah. box and then they all sit and you know they open i imagine that would work quite well in a in a pro so, elite environment I, I, remember, I remember the second thing the second thing was an interview stuart lancaster gave to a an online news channel called um off the ball uh, it's an Irish Irish uh, video podcast, um, which would be a film, I would suggest. But anyway, it's on YouTube. And it's Stuart Lancaster talking. And he talked about how it's much easier for him to have a relationship with the players as Stuart Lancaster assistant coach than it is to be Leo Cullen head coach. And that's at Leinster. And he said, he was asked, do you think that relationship will change when you get to Racing next year? And he said, probably. Because I need to have a support staff that are willing to be vulnerable in front of the players and, and, and have a relationship with them and talk about it. So when Stuart's father died, I think it was earlier this year, Johnny Sexton and Leo Cullen got in a car and and, and uh, went to the funeral. I, I saw just that short little clip about yeah. them, them going to the funeral. So, he, so the question to ask is, you have to understand your team, you have to understand your players. It, it's, it, the, the, the thing you're going to do with the team have to be reflective of yourself, but also you have to be comfortable doing it within yourself. So if you are, you know, you, you work with a grassroots women's rugby team yeah. who trust you implicitly, enjoy your company, but you don't have an assistant or we do you have an assistant? No, I don't yeah. have an assistant. No, it's just, it's exactly. just, me. But, just me. Yeah. So if, if it's just you and, and let's say, let's say that the team grow exponentially over the next number of years, hmm. you may want to step back and say, right, I'm going to step up now and start utilizing my, my new level three advanced coaching award qualifications and start pushing the team on now with different aspects of the game and I'm going to get my assistant to take my place and do the things that you're doing now mm. so that that's that's what I think it's interesting is that can you do that because you've built the program yourself in essence in essence not completely but you've built it yourself you've, you've built the you've built the, sh the car yourself yeah, yeah. And, and the way it works you've built it would it work yeah, yeah, probably. I, I mean, it, I would think a various, a different version of it would work with the men's team. I, I think the first time you do it is going to be pretty bad because it, obviously it's going to be piss taken. The lads will just take the piss out of it. But after a while, they go, lads, it's, it's a pretty serious thing. We've got some good boys who just need a little, little bit of encouragement. How about you put some nice words down and just help them? 
And very often, you know, once the piss taking is over, they'll go, oh, actually, there's a, there's a good point here. There's a good there's a good idea here. Let's go with that. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, it, I I have to set the groundwork, but I guess the answer to your question is yes. I think it would work, and I think it it does. It clearly works with your team, um, and with a similar group uh, and a similar vulnerability shown by the coaching staff. Yeah, I think it would work. Um, yeah. So my also, my, my follow-up question. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. My sorry, I was sort of doodling whilst trying to form my question. <laughs> my follow-up question, then, I guess, is how I'm trying to think of a right way to word this. It's going to be controversial, Jess, is it? No, it's not. I don't think it is. <laughs> it's just going to get you fired as the editor of the magazine. <laughs> it's just about vulnerability. Do you think it's difficult to show vulnerability? as a coach and by as a coach i not necessarily mean you although i'm asking you to speak from you um yeah, yeah but do you think as a profession it's difficult or at the do you think it's difficult to show vulnerability in in um so i once referred to rugby as a game of physical intelligence and i think in, in a game of physical intelligence vulnerability is not part of the program because it's it's about showing strength in, in smart ways and it's you no know, obviously you could then return and say well vulnerability is a strength because you, you nobody can throw the package because you mean you know so I, well, again, that was going to be um, my uh retort back yes all right <laughs> so i've been talking to you for too long so um i'd have to come back to it i think jess to be honest i'd have to have a think about it I'd have to have a longer think about it. I think in a game, the the way we play currently, I think it would it would work great as a youth program, uh, as a youth idea. Um, and I say youth, both all genders. I think it's adult in today. I think we'd have to lay the groundwork a bit more. I don't see it as a bad thing. I think it would work. Yes, is the answer. And again, I'll refer back to the previous answer. I think it would work. I like the idea, I, I, and I have. And if and if you ask most coaches, they've done something like it before, but not not the way you've done it, which I think is quite clever. Secret, secret, secret teammate. I like it. Nice. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think we're we're almost done, so I just want to cast our minds slightly to to next weekend. Obviously, it's the semi final time. Yeah. Um, give me your final predictions. Who's who's going to be in that final weekend? I mean, everyone says it's pretty obvious who's going to be there, but um, yeah. we haven't really hit a banana skin yet. I say we, England. I do apologise. Yes. Um, <laughs> we're already out, so I can't, I can't criticise that. Um, <laughs> we haven't hit a, a banana skin as yet, um, and Canada yeah. could well be that. And then Black Ferns, France, just looks... The more I look at it, the more excited I get about that fixture. Yeah. What what France possess is a very formidable defence. But what they also possess, and it's a shame that Sansu's not there, but they've got an attack that could cut teams to shreds if they're given half a chance. I think the performance against England is going to be tough to replicate for France. Mm. Well, but however, New Zealand haven't been challenged yet. The first 15 minutes against Australia, 
was challenging in their first game. Yeah, but I think France, France have to match that mental intensity that they brought when they played England. And I'm not talking about exactly. physical intensity, yes, but the mental intensity has to come first in order for the physical intensity to happen. So if they arrive with the same mental intensity and that translates into however they want to play on the pitch, then that that's their key to winning that game. It's interesting when you hear people like Ruby Tui after, after, in a recent, most recent interview say that well, what's it like having Wayne Smith as, and Graham Henry as coaches? He said, they're making me think about rugby like I've never thought about it before. And it's that um, it's that magic ingredient that, that the, the New Zealanders bring to an environment where they are the where they are the favourites. They're always the favourites. So the favourites tag won't be heavy, it won't be a burden for them. France will have to match them, I think, strangely enough, I think they have to match them in the backs as opposed to the forwards. I think they've got them in the forwards. I think the French pack is okay. It's where the backs, I think, are going to be interesting. I think the back, one of those rare occasions where I think the backs could be the one. That's so. I think if there's a, if there's going to be any banana skin, it's going to be in this game. So that being said, the Canadians, the Canadians also have a good set of backs. Sophie de Goody is um, could be the player of the tournament. She's so good at number eight for Canada. She's really really good, um, and she does all of the things you expect an eight to do, and then goes around the field. She can she, she can she can invade small villages. She's that good. You know she's incredible, but. I think Canada, once the pace picks up, I suspect that on a dry on a dry surface, Canada would be okay for a while and they could hold England. But I suspect we're looking at a 30-point win for England here, minimum. I think Canada have got a good team. They're not as good as they were in 2014. Um, obviously, they played England in the final that year. Um, it's gone up and down. So I think we're looking at a New Zealand, an obvious final, New Zealand-England uh, final. But I, I suspect that this, if the France game, the France-New Zealand game is the one to watch. Um, if you're a neutral. If you're not a neutral, then watch both and watch <laughs> watch both. But that's my, that's what I think. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but we'll see. We'll, you know, we'll see. What do you think? What do I think? Um, I think it's going to be... Um, Red Roses, Black Ferns in the final. Um, I think, like most of the Red Roses games, I think we will be uh tested or look uneasy in the first quarter. Um, and then um, settle in to things. Um, I'm quite used to watching that way of them playing now. Um, and I'm not. I'm not too displeased with that because if they came out with a set way of doing things and then fired on all guns blazing from the get-go, from the whistle, yeah. then if if you're playing the Black Ferns later on or you're playing France, then those teams are probably going to work out how to play against that. Whereas in the first 10 minutes, I can see the Red Roses settling and figuring out how they want to play based on what they're encountering. And I would much prefer to watch that way of problem solving um, than watch other teams try and figure us out. And I, I would much rather coach that way as well. Here's the problem yeah. the team that you're playing against. Spend the first 10 yeah. minutes figuring it out. Um, yeah. You know, so that, that just... The thing that Canada and France have to do is not just stop them, but stop them for 80 minutes. 
I think yeah. it's the sustain it's, it's the sustained pressure in defense and the sustained pressure in attack that they have they must possess for 80 minutes. This is where England and New Zealand are so good, is that they they can sustain it um, and they can go up a gear if they need to, and they can change it if they if they want to. This is where Canada and France are gonna have to come into the game and sustain it. And I think if 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 England if England are gonna be stopped, it's good the, the bench for Canada will be it'll be it might even be a seven-one bench mm. um for Canada and, and France, if they're gonna stop New Zealand, I think it might be a four-three bench because four French forwards and three backs, because I think the, the New Zealand backs will cut to shreds. So over 80 minutes, they're gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of work, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, it'll be a fascinating, fascinating weekend of rugby. It yeah. really will. No, it will. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Be good. Plus, yeah. there's also six men's games on. So, so if you're up, yeah. if you're up all night watching the watching the women's games, there's six five men's games on. It's, it's <laughs> all on Amazon. Yeah, it's going to be a cracking weekend of rugby. That that is for sure. That is for sure. Absolutely, Absolutely. it's going to be great. And look, and look, look, it's it's why we it's why we started the podcast was we wanted to get people excited about it. And if we aren't excited about it, what's the point? <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> 